right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Cluck. I am here overlooking the front stretch at Michigan International Speedway, where we just completed the doubleheader weekend for the Cup Series. And I'm along with my coworker, Jordan Bianchi, who couldn't be here with me, but he'll be back at the track uh, next weekend. So we have a little streak going now. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. What did you think of today's race? We were over the moon about yesterday's race. What did you think of today's race? Yeah, so if you missed it uh, on our Saturday podcast, uh, the Saturday version of the Teardown, which was a bonus episode for subscribers only, Jordan was talking about how thrilled we were with the Michigan race, and he said that uh, maybe you know we were a little bit overly thrilled because Michigan has a low bar. He said it's like a snail uh, hopping over a bar or something like that. Is that setting what, is the that bar so low that a snail could hop oh. over it? Okay, yes, that's right. So uh, I <laughs> the, the, this follow-up race. Uh, as much as I liked the first one Saturday follow-up race, I don't think was able to. Uh, I don't know if the snail climbed over the bar. It was close. I mean, the the third stage, you know, had a little bit more to offer. Certainly, a lot more to offer than the first two stages. First two stages, you're like, oh gosh, this is what what in the world's going on here. Um, third stage, you know, when you have a Blaney Kozlowski incident, uh, you had a pretty decent battle for for the lead. You know, you had a couple of restarts. As much as people tried to uh, thwart Kevin Harvick, he just kept. You know, he had the fastest car, so, you know, sometimes the fastest car does win. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if, if the snail conquered the bar, but uh, definitely <laughs> not as good as, as Saturday. What do you think? Yeah, I think you summarized it really good. I think yesterday was just so good. It was going to be hard to match that today. It was, you know, it, I like seeing Harvick and Hamlin battle. I like seeing these two teams rise up every week and, and kind of just go at it. I think it's really – I think it's great to see that. I think it's entertaining. I think they bring out the best in each other. The finish was was I thought was really good. I mean, Hamlin was looked like he was going to pass him, and they were just both pushing really hard. And yeah, I mean, the first two stages were kind of a beatdown, and and Harvick just looked like in another world. And you're going to get that here. I, you know, I, I'm fine with it. It, it. it felt like a typical Michigan race. I think that's probably the best way to summarize it. Yeah, that that's a good point. In that you know Saturday's race was really enjoyable and surprisingly great for Michigan. Whereas Sunday's race was more like what we expect out of Michigan normally. But the good news about that was that, you know, it was only two hours, nine minutes. So if you're going to have a race that's not so great, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least you uh, at least you sort of get it over with. I mean, imagine if that was like a three and a half hour race or something, you know. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, what was this? 320 miles or something like that? So 312. Add a, yeah. So 312, add another, yeah. you know, add another 80 miles to this race. I don't think we'd probably be saying yeah. the same thing. And I think no, that's it would have been totally unnecessary at that point. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's something that can be taken out of this. And I think we touched on it yesterday was that it's okay to be shorter. Shorter's good. A two hour race or just over two hours. That's a perfect window at most of these tracks. Most of these races need to be that distance. And I, I have been someone and I, and I've gotten some criticism for this. I almost like, I almost would like to see some of these races just put on a clock, forget the number, forget the mileage. Just give me two hours, 20 minute race. That's all I want to see. Yeah, I mean, I think there could be something said to uh, for trying that, but I don't know that it should be like a regular thing. Yeah, absolutely I, you know, I think not. you know yeah, you could you could do a half of a double header, um, you know, like that that way. You know, time it and then have the other half a, as a as a distance race. But anyway, you know, it's interesting though because you talk about um, Harvick and Hamlin, and of course they're the dominant storyline, 
And, you know, we've seen it so many times this season. Now they've combined for um, 11 wins. Um, Hamlin has five. Harvick has six. So clearly, you know, they're, they're two best drivers. But I think what's going to happen is we're, you know, there's sort of a recency bias in some ways because just last week we were talking about, oh, Kozlowski, he looks great. Maybe he's ready to join them. Um, obviously he finished second on Saturday and had a good car again today until he, he lost control and and got into Ryan Blaney, took them both out. But I I think what's going to happen is, you know, you're going to have the Daytona road course. So it's hard to, I mean, maybe it'll be a Harvick Hamlin duel, but I I doubt it would work out that way because that's really going to shake things up. Um, you're going to have two Dover races, you know, yeah, Harvick, you know, he definitely can win at Dover, but. Uh, I, I don't know if it's going to be a duel between the two of them necessarily. There's other good drivers there too. And then obviously Daytona Oval, Hamlin is uh, exceptional there, but it's not going to be, it's never like a duel between two drivers uh, at a super speedway race. So um, anyway, the point is that over the next four weeks until the playoffs, I don't know that this is going to be as much of a storyline. So I think we're going to roll in the playoffs and go, eh, you know, they have the most wins, they have the most playoff points, but are they really. You know, is it really going to come down to them? Um, so as we as we stand now, Jordan, I mean, is is that if we if we're going to make predictions now, is that what you think? Like, is is the playoffs going to be dominated by those two drivers, or by that time, is somebody else going to have come up? What what do you what, how are you seeing it? I see it a little bit of both in the sense that because of the play, playoff points that both of these guys have accrued, they're they're well well positioned to get to the semifinals i mean they're really going to have to have a horrible round one or two to not make it that far and so they're they're darn near locks to be in the the third round there and after that i still think they're good bets to get to phoenix because of just they're so good their teams are so good that the you know that third round you go to martinsville you go to texas well guess what those are two of their better tracks for both of those guys especially martinsville for hamlin especially texas for harvick I just like these guys to get to Phoenix. I, I think they're uh, they're not a lock to be two of the four drivers that are going to be there, but they are, I don't know, 80% chance to get there. I don't know. I mean, I just think it's that good. And then at that point, it's anybody's race to win it. And I think whoever can get there, I mean, Keselowski's been really good. I know he crashed today and everything. We're going to lose sight of you know where he finished because he finished last. But he's been really good. Martin Truex Jr. has been knocking out top 10 finishes now on a consistent basis. Ryan Blaney's really good too. Just hasn't had the consistency or hasn't been able to put it together like some of the other guys have in recent weeks. So there's obviously other guys are capable of joining these two, but because of the way these guys are positioned themselves throughout the regular season, they have set themselves up so well for deep playoff runs. And that point that that can't be over that, that can't be overstated. Yeah. And I, I, I would agree with you. I mean, and, and trust me, I mean, agreeing with you is one of my least favorite things to do. I'd rather <laughs> argue with you. Why? Uh, I'm usually right. Day. You should just agree. No, I don't. I wouldn't say that's the case. But um, anyway, <laughs> I do think obviously you know Keselowski has has come on strong. Um, he looks like a viable sort of third car. And then um, Martin Truex Jr. I mean, he has four third place finishes in a row now. Uh, he's quietly just there, and and it doesn't seem like they're they've done anything close to hitting their stride yet. I mean, they constantly you know start races off bad or make a mistake or something mm-hmm. or fail inspection have to start at the back whatever. Uh, they always are overcoming something. They, they never have great weekends. So imagine if they do have some great weekends. Um, meanwhile, I, I don't feel as confident about Blaney anymore. I mean, it just seems like, yeah, he had that speed and he was the best of Penske cars early on, but what have they really done with it? 
and um, you know Logano, Kyle Busch. Uh, again, they're to me, you know, obviously they're capable. They could do something, but I don't really. I mean, Kyle Busch is you know sitting here at Michigan today, and he's just like, yeah, you know, we finished you know, top five, whatever. That's all we had. You know, we were probably third place car, whatever. I mean, he didn't seem mad, you know, on his MRN interview. He's just kind of like, yep, that's what it was. That's about what it was. You know, it's just like, wow. I mean, they're just, they just don't seem to, for whatever reason, uh, they don't seem to have it. And, and this is after, you know, the sort of the, the, I guess, excuse for him not running well in some ways. has been like, well, we don't have enough practice. Well, here's a doubleheader weekend. You know, they, they did have a good car, but they seem to have pretty much the same car that they had um, in the Saturday race. It's not like they, you know, they, they had a 300 mile practice session and didn't, and didn't get to do anything, you know, uh, amazing. I mean, they still couldn't run with Harvick, but nobody could. But so I just don't, I kind of discount them right now. Um, and then you really look and we can transition to some of the playoff talk here because the Hendrick cars, uh, I mean, I think this weekend really hit home. Uh, just especially because Alex Bowman was so dominant at the last two mile track at Fontana. And then you come here at Michigan and he was really nowhere to be found. And just the Hendrick cars in general, you know, Chase Elliott got some track position a couple times. It just, all four of them really just don't seem to have it. No, not consistently. There, there's parts during the race where they look good. William Byron had some moments today running in the top 10. Jimmy Johnson looked like he was on the move early on and they just kind of plateau. And speaking of Bowman, that team hasn't been right for a while. The, the finishes have not been there. They had a very strong run at Darlington right out of the break. Um, they finished second in that first race, had a really good car in the, the second race, and they had some issues. But they, they just haven't had speed, and they haven't had consistency. They really haven't done anything well since the break or since that Darlington races. And it, it's a struggle for them right now. And I don't see anyone out of those four drivers that really is capable of rising up and beating a Harvick or a Hamlin. Chase Elliott at times looks good, but I think they are a very smart team. They put themselves in position. We talk about teams beating themselves a lot and costing themselves points. We don't say that about Chase Elliott's team. They don't really make mistakes on pit road. Chase doesn't make mistakes on the racetrack. They they are a team that really punches above their weight class every week, and when they've got speed in their race cars, they know what to do with it. But they're not that next caliber team that everybody's looking at saying, hey, we got to beat the nine. That's not to say that that can't happen. I go back to 2018. Joey Logano won once during the regular season. His second win came at, what, Talladega? Or no, Martinsville. And he won. It. He didn't win again until Martinsville in the playoffs. And then he won again at, at Homestead. So, And that was the year when the big three got coined. And, and no one thought... You know, anyone other than Harvick and, and Truex or Kyle Busch was going to win the championship, and Logano did it. So I, I still feel it's very capable that someone is rise, can rise up and, and take it to these guys. I just don't know who that is. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just so uh, startling to me because even when, you know, even when they came back at Darlington and Charlotte, uh, you know, with Chase Elliott, I mean, he looked fantastic. He and if you, I'm sure if you go back to our podcast, then we're talking about uh, you know, this is going to be a Hendrick season. This is Chase mm-hmm. Elliott. This is Alex yeah. Bowman. And you had Denny Hamlin back at the time saying, you know, with the new Chevy, they just have something we don't have right now. You know, the, the Toyotas and the Fords are both saying, boy, Chevy, you know, they, they, they've just got an advantage now. And, you know, there's just, you can't really do anything about that. And, and NASCAR gave them a chance to redo the car and it's really paying off. And, and it just seemed like we were on this path to 
Hendrick almost being a Joe Gibbs racing from last year. Like they were just going to really kick butt. Jimmy Johnson was going to have a fantastic send off year. It just seems like it's, I, I can't believe how much it's fallen apart. Um, you know, Byron, fortunately for, for him, I mean, Eric Jones had uh, some sort of mechanical issue in the final laps today, uh, ends up finishing 27th. Oof. And uh, that that really helps uh, William Byron increase his lead to 26 points over the final spot. Now Jones and Jimmy Johnson uh, are tied for that that uh, next spot out. Um, and Tyler Reddick, uh, he tweets a gif that says, we suck again. And uh, he, he's 36 points out. He had a bad weekend. So, um, I mean, in that sense, uh, you know, Byron kind of gets saved. But other than that, I mean, they, they don't seem to be running great. I just... For Hendrick Motorsports, you know, it seems like they hit on something, and for them to fall off, I, I, it's it's hard to believe. Yeah, and I and I said it then, and I'll say it now. They 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 threw away a lot of wins. They had a lot of races that they should have won at the beginning of the year. Bowman especially, Elliott especially, and when they had that advantage, they didn't capitalize the way they needed to. But what is it? What does it even matter though? I mean, aside from playoff points, which are nice. I mean, so yeah, you would. I think playoff points are everything. Okay, well. I, I just and I will say this, Jimmy John. Let's go back to Darlington, the first Darlington race out of the break. Yeah. Jimmy Johnson is going to win stage one. He has a very fast race car. What happens? It crashes. It's right. those kind of things, and and we and he hasn't really had that kind of same speed since. Now he's had a couple of Texas. He had a really good race car, and he put it in the wall. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, when you've got these, when you've got winning race cars, you have to take advantage of it. And good for Bowman and Elliott to get those wins. That that's good. That puts them in a safe spot. But Jimmy Johnson had that opportunity. He didn't do it. And that that's the now. Look at him now. He's on the wrong side of the cut line. And the way I look at it with the standings, the only way you're going to pass Byron is if something happens to Byron, he completely collapses over the next few weeks, or you get a win. Because otherwise, he's good enough to point his way in. And Chad Knauss is a smart enough crew chief where he's going to maximize every opportunity he can to get stage points. Jordan, do you have any theories on why this race wasn't as good as the first one, um, I you know, I, I, okay, let's hear him. I think it's almost like practice. Yesterday's race, guys just jumped in their race cars and they raced. And the crew chiefs were kind of going blind. I know they have the simulators and everything, but it was just kind of a, it was a, kind of the race we've seen. We don't throughout this break where you just race. But you look at yesterday and today, what did the crew chiefs do after yesterday's race? What did drivers do? They went back. They poured over all their notes. They said, this is what the track is doing. This is, you know, who's got a fast car. This is how our car handled. They were able to make adjustments. They over were able to overthink it in some cases. And it, it as we've seen when there's too much practice, it allows, it allows a separation. And the good teams can kind of pull themselves away a little bit. And the other teams can go in the other direction. And you just create that gulf. Yeah, I mean, that that was going to go along with what I was going to say because I, I saw an interesting tweet uh, from a follower. I'm trying to look it up right now real quick. Uh, Matt's Theater was his name. And he had tweeted, uh, I think after uh, midway through stage two, he said sort of what you said. This might be the best example, example yet of why no practice is the way to go. Teams had a three-hour practice yesterday to perfect their cars, and here we are. So just exactly what, along what lines of what you're saying, um, you know, when you when you give cars, you know, the best teams a chance to get out front uh, and they've already tweaked a little bit on it. Um, it's you're not going to have as much passing, even though the first stage, you know, it was inverted lineup and all that stuff. Another thing we could talk about um, is is Ford comes into Michigan and, you know, uh, I'll be honest, I don't really care about this whole heritage trophy thing. 
I really don't care. I could care less. It's, you know, they're making this, there's a manufacturer's title that, that is far more important because that's a season long thing. You're talking about one <laughs> Michigan race and you're going to put the lobby in the trophy and Ford texted all the Ford drivers and said, Hey, you know, we really want that trophy, you know, because bragging rights from this one Michigan race or whatever. Uh, to me, okay, yeah, okay, great. But bottom line is, if if these manufacturers are going to put in a lot of effort, Ford clearly dominates it. Toyota was next. Chevy, uh, you know, totally missed the boat uh, at Michigan running well, right? I mean, just in general, um, I, I just how can they how can they be so far behind in a track that seems so important to them? Horsepower. This is a horsepower track, and Ford does a really good job in building its engines. Doug Yates, you know, is in charge of the engine department over there, and horsepower is something they put a lot of focus on. Doug, through his history from his father, Robert, Michigan has always been a track that they looked at and said, we need to run well here. Regardless of where everything else is going on with us, we need to be good at Michigan regardless. And that has certainly carried through, and that's where they're at today. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed this doubleheader concept, even though uh, one race was good, one wasn't. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see how it goes with Dover, especially with shorter races. But as we, as we, as we've talked about this, but the, you know, the shorter races were great. Um, you know, as far as keeping the action, even Rodney Childress said that afterwards, you know, there's, there's no time to ride around. Everybody's go, go, go all the, all the way. Um, you know, I think, you know, I, I had some people, um, when I tweeted the race time today, which I think was two hours, nine minutes maybe. And people said, well, I'm not, I'm not going to drive hours to go, uh, to a two hour race. No, no, you're not. But what you are going to do is go to a whole weekend that has two races. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that's more value than, hey, if I go Sunday and, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I see a 400 mile race. I mean, if you had come both days, you would have seen 624 miles, right? So yeah. isn't that better than, you know, I'd, I'd rather have two fun days of, of short races than one longer race that isn't as good. And they're like, all right, well, this is a long run. Let's just kind of settle in here and ride. Um, you know what I mean? I just, I don't get that logic, but um, hopefully, I don't know how soon they are, how close they are to uh, announcing the next year's schedule, but hopefully when the next year's schedule comes out, we see more doubleheaders on it because I'm, I'm pro doubleheader. I'm pro doubleheader too. I agree with what you said. If you're a family and you're traveling eight hours away, you make a weekend out of it. You know, you're going to go, you're going to see two cup races. You're probably going to see the Xfinity series. You're probably going to see the truck series. You're, you're going to see a non, you're going to see a jam packed weekend of racing, which is what you want. I like the idea. I think it can be tweaked a little bit, I think, but I do like the concept. I think it serves a lot of tracks very well. I think Michigan is a perfect example where you've got two 400 mile races Honestly, what I mean, and it's usually one's in June and one's in August. So what are they, about six weeks apart thereabouts? It, it's just, it's too close together. But boom, you go up there, you knock it out, you make it a big deal. You consolidate it into one. I, I think it's an opportunity to sell it to your fan base. And people are going to say, well, yeah, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. No, you go to the racetrack, you're going to get a, you're going to get bang for your dollar. And I think for the television viewing audience at home, and, and this is the truth, that's what matters most is television ratings. This is an opportunity to earn a, a, a fan base uh, in a perfectly, you know, nice, tight two-hour window. Somebody sitting at home on the weekend watching a race or watching television going, hey, I don't need to invest three-plus hours. I can just watch two hours here. This is perfect for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. They are lucky to some degree, though, that, 
you know, this we had two really nice days here where there was mm-hmm. not even a speck of green on the radar. Today was a little hotter and cloudier, and I, as the afternoon went on, I was like, oh, you know, I wonder if there's going to be a storm pop up, but nothing ever even came close. So, you know, with a track with no lights to to start a race at 447 <laughs> Eastern, uh, even if the sundown yeah. is late, I mean, that's really that's that's pushing your luck. They got lucky. They don't always get lucky with the weather, as we know, with NASCAR, but they got lucky this weekend. So I, I don't know if, about uh, the later start times if you're going to try to do a doubleheader weekend like this, but uh, I do like that, you know, and that's an advantage too, right? I mean, you can you can afford to push it a little bit later. Uh, you don't have to start at 3 o'clock if the race is only going to take two hours. So I do see that, but it's still kind of like, ooh, this makes me nervous. But um, Anyway, well, uh, I don't know. What else should we talk about from this race? You know, I've already uh, on the podcast yesterday, I don't want to repeat myself. Um, I already gave all my sort of uh, breakdown of what it's like to be at the race without fans and first race back. And now, Jordan, uh, you're going to get to go to uh, looks like a couple Daytona races. Um, unless you get COVID, please don't do that. Uh, then you can't go. So stay healthy. Um, I'm trying to go to the uh, Indy 500 unless I get COVID. So I'm not going to going to try stay to healthy. avoid that. Yes. Yeah, stay healthy for me. Um, but if, uh, beyond that for me, I mean, this might be it for, Oh gosh, who knows how long? Cause, uh, I just happened to be in the area for, uh, um, my, my wife's family wedding in Indianapolis. So I was able to come up for this and stay for Indy 500. But, you know, once I go back to Colorado, uh, you know, I don't think the athletics eager to put me on a, a plane and, uh, especially for a situation where, um, you know, no, no access we, you know, it, and it, it, that, that part was weird. I will say that, you know, here I just came and spent the whole weekend at Michigan. Uh, I didn't see, you know, any, any NASCAR officials to chat with. I didn't see any drivers to chat with. I didn't see any spotters to chat with even up here on the roof. I uh, didn't run into anybody. Um, you know, the media core, uh, there was a couple of recognizable people, but none of the, you know, sort of every week national traveling beat people. So, you know, didn't really get to catch up with friends or anything like that. So it's weird in that you're you're here and that, you know, I see Kevin Harvick on my Zoom call or Denny Hamlin, but you you don't get the connection. You don't get the chatting. You don't get the FaceTime. And so without that, that is such a big part of our job. Um, you know, those those personal, you know, where you have a, a moment to, to stand and chat with somebody, I guess. Um yeah, I just don't, under this environment, uh, I, I just, I can't see how they're going to send me back anytime soon. So I tell you what, before I go tonight, I'll definitely go sit in the stands for five or 10 minutes and just soak it up. Because, you know, at Phoenix, the last normal race I'd gone to, um, or the last normal weekend we've, we've any of us have had, um, you know, I just rushed out of there because I had a flight. And then I always regretted all the whole quarantine time. Like, man, I wish I just, enjoyed that a little more so before i leave tonight I'll, I'll definitely do that but i don't know this you know i i i enjoyed being here but it's it's going to be tough for all this media going forward don't you think i agree i mean what we do is access is talking to people um facetime like you said i you know and i've said this before for me what i do what i what the areas i focus on being in the garage is invaluable and having conversations with people that you know you can you know you can text and you can talk on the phone and there's other ways to communicate with people, but face-to-face, in the garage, seeing things, talking to people, that cannot be replaced. That cannot be replicated, and, and it's been a challenge, and it's going to be interesting. And I thought Kevin Harvick had 
an interesting comment post race, and it's it's a thought that yeah that that scared me though. Yeah. I know what you're gonna say that. I know, I, my, yeah. my stomach almost dropped when he said that because he's the thought, first. Per- yeah, yep. yeah. He's the Go ahead. first. Let's say say what he said. Yeah. Well, I was just going to let me preface this. I just want to say this is a conversation I've had with a lot of people in the industry about what is this? What is the new normal for NASCAR, or when can NASCAR return to normal? And from what I'm hearing, the expectation is is that what we're in the environment we're in now, where weekends are kind of scaled down, there's no practice, there's no qualifying, everything is just kind of different. This probably is going to carry over into 2021. Harvick today was the first person publicly on the, in NASCAR to say that. And he said that this is what he expects to kind of happen at the beginning of next year. And he's, I, I think he's right. When you look at where this country is at, that there is, we still have this awful virus spreading. There is, it, it's hard to contain. I don't see how NASCAR returns to the NASCAR that we knew it back in March. Well, that's right. And, and, you know, I, I, when he said that, I thought, oh, this, I'm going to have to explore this in my top five. Um, and I haven't even put my thoughts together on it yet. But what, you know, essentially he starts talking about how, um, you know, I really miss, you know, celebrating with my crew guys and all stuff. But I, you know, I think this is going to go forward for a long time and well into next year. Right. And, and I think that we've all sort of had this as we've suffered through 2020 and we've all said, oh, 2020 sucks. This is a terrible year. And everybody sort of has told ourselves, well, 2021 will be better. I mean, there'll hopefully there'll be a vaccine. There'll be a cure. We can all get rid of the stupid virus. We can get back to packing racetracks and doing what we love to do. Uh, you know, the virus doesn't go by a timeline. And even if there is a, a vaccine that's made, you know, toward the end of this year, which we're already, you know, in August now, um, that's not going to be have rolled out and all that stuff, even probably by Daytona 500 next February. So that puts us into a situation where, you know, what does NASCAR look like again? Like you're saying, uh, going into next year and it's just like, man, you know, you, you're just like, I just want to get through this year. And then you're like, well, I mean, realistically, you know, as, as I'm standing here in Michigan, is it, well, what's it going to look like? I don't, none of us know. And, uh, you know, but I think, you know, realistically, I, what Harvick was saying is there's probably a lot of truth in that. So that wasn't so great. And uh, not to end the podcast on sort of a down note, but I, I think if we're just being honest with ourselves, this is this is probably going to be, uh, you know, I know everybody hates it. Like you said, the new normal, the at least the, the temporary reality for a while. And we're just going to have to uh, cope with that and adapt as we all have been so far this year and just keep hoping for the best. But um, in the meantime, you know, NASCAR is going to try to finish out the season, um, finish out with four regular season races, and that road course race next weekend is going to be really fun. I'm very oh, much I'm looking so forward to uh, to seeing that. Of course, I'll you know I think uh, Indy 500 Bump Day is the same day or right around the same time as mm-hmm. the uh, the Daytona road course race. So I don't know how much I'll, of it I'll be able to watch. I'll be relying on you and your updates, and then we'll have to. We'll have to talk about it afterwards. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to watch um, some of it on uh, my laptop or something while at the track. But that'll be an interesting experience. And then, of course, uh, we could talk about Indy 500 qualifying next week too. Indy 500 is now just two weeks away. Yeah. So it's there's crazy a lot to of think about. Yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of uh, fun stuff coming up. I'm excited to see how it all plays out. So, uh, any final thoughts here? As as I ranted into uh, the dark corner of 2021 being bad. <laughs> 
I think this was a good weekend for NASCAR. Um, the on-track action was, was very solid, especially yesterday. Today was fine. I'm excited for what's to come. You, you touched on the road course. I think it's going to be absolutely chaotic. I think it's going to be wild. I think ending the regular season at Daytona is going to be equally chaotic and wild. And I really feel like we still got one more surprise out of nowhere winner lurking. And that's really going to shake things up. And you look at the playoff standings. You got drivers from Joe Gibbs Racing and Hendrick Motorsports on the bubble. Uh, two big teams. I'm excited for these next few weeks. I think it's just going to be fun. Well, uh, obviously, before we go, we need to pick what the Was It a Good Race poll will be. Um, looks like I'm going to win Saturday. Last I checked, um, it was at 80% from the Saturday race. Pretty high. I said yeah. 82%. What did I say, 75 um, I think so. Yeah. You had mid seventies or something. So, uh, yeah. So this race, uh, with the snail bar, what, what is the snail bar? 50%? Is that what we're going to call the snail bar? I think Well, it it moves because it depends on the track. I mean, if we're my, my, let's use, let's use the Daytona road course, for example, the bar there is incredibly high because I think it's just going to be wild and crazy and unpredictable. Now we're going to Dover. I think the bar is really low because it's Dover. (laughs) <laughs> there's a reason okay. Dover's, you know, so it just, it, it just depends. It's a sliding scale. Yeah, that that's fair. That's fair. That makes sense. Well, for this one, I'd say, let's say the snail bar is 50%. So is it going to be above or below 50% for this Sunday Michigan race? Uh, slightly above, I will say 55%. All right. I'll just go below. I mean, I'll just say no, like I get it. 48% or something. I, I just don't, you know, this one, I don't think there was a lot to sure uh be too super excited about um you know even if it was a if it was a battle for the lead between two different drivers i think that as it happens in nascar every year once people start winning a lot people are like oh i've already seen this you know they they don't want the same two guys running up front or the same three as it was in the year the big three so i i think that'll take some points away um you know another harvick win so to speak people won't won't be too enthused and it just wasn't uh you know the the best race ever but that's what i'm that's what i'm going with so anyway please uh you know if you're not a subscriber check out our work on the athletic we have a lot of great stuff up there for you uh we're working hard uh even without the usual access that we've had here no we're we're crushing um, it not not to toot our own horn anything but if you well you just did toot our own horn well, I think we are. I mean, I just, I look at, I look at what we do and I think, I mean, let's just be, I'm going to be honest. I think what we do on a day-to-day basis is as good as motorsports coverage you're going to find anywhere. And it is worth the price of subscription. Well, that's, I, I hope you're right. I hope people agree with you. Uh, we get a lot of good feedback and uh, we appreciate all of you who have given us a chance and um, yeah, we will be back with you. I'll be at Indianapolis. We, I guess we'll both be at a racetrack when we do this next week, potentially wow, depending yeah. on how, how the that? time works out. Yeah, that would definitely be the first time since the, well, since Daytona 500. We'll be <laughs> yeah, both be at a racetrack yeah. for this podcast, just different racetracks. So yeah, let's do that. Let's let's plan on that. That'll be fun. I look forward um, to it. Cool. Well, anyway, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you next time on The Teardown.